Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, Justin? Another year in the books for me. Want to show yeah. off some of the sweet <clears throat> Star Wars swag I got yeah, for my please. birthday here. Some yeah. uh, Lego TIE Fighter for those of you watching us on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's been uh, another great year. This podcast definitely being one of the highlights, man. How are you doing? Oh, good, man. Um, a pretty standard day for me, but yeah, it's your birthday. So happy birthday, man. Thank you. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, thanks for all the nice words about the podcast as well. Um, likewise, is it's, it's been awesome just um, hosting the show with you and have pl- plenty of content um, in store for you. On today's show, we're going to be discussing both the Western and Eastern Conference Finals um, of the recording of this. We're recording this um, June 27th, um, 8.17 Mountain Time. 47 seconds remaining about in the Atlanta Milwaukee Bucks series. So hopefully once we get done, just yapping away about the Western conference and um, coaching changes. Um, if the Eastern conference final, if game three is concluded, we will um, touch on that game. But if not, we'll kind of give you like an overview of that entire series. And we'll kind of discuss, you know, game three, later on <laughs> um this kind of depends on how that game goes who knows with if it's been such a crazy playoffs could go in a triple overtime who knows um just some housekeeping notes um we have a great interview coming up on the uh, podcast feed this week with uh pete carrado um he is the author of from hang time to prime time um excellent read excellent book excellent interview with Pete. um yeah. tons of knowledge about the the history of the nba particularly from the 1970s all the way to like 1989 so We'll we'll say it in the interview, and I'll say it now. For any young viewers of the NBA, it's it's a must read because it is basically how it's the the DNA of the league is in is in the book. Um, Everything that you see now is basically predicated off those off the years of the NBA being created. So it's a great read. Um, So check that out. And then also, without spoiling too many any interviews you might be hearing in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a lot of content on the on the basketball tournament. So it's the million dollar tournament featuring a huge field of teams um, all over the nation. And since um, Matt lives in New Mexico, and since you know I. I'm um, a former resident there, and since we're both graduates of the University of New Mexico, big fans of the Lobos, we'll be doing coverage on the New Mexico Lobos representative, um, the Enchantment. So plenty of content coming your way. Stay tuned for that. I'm pretty pumped just to see kind of all these Lobos come back together. I think it's pretty cool, and it's kind of like some unfinished business, I think, for the Lobos just because – you know, we all know the tournament history of this team, especially living in New Mexico. Of the men's side, is that they can't get past the second round. It wouldn't be cool for, like, even though it's not the NCAA tournament, but this tournament's like ESPN. It's a pretty big deal. This is a pretty prestigious tournament. You just imagine this team. Let's make it a run. Just any kind of a run, even to, like, you know, a deep run. I think that'd be pretty huge. Um, I think the only bummer is that's to a common kind of basketball sports fan. This is not a super popular tournament, but if it catches fire, you never know. Um, you know, you're negative what's Matt. They're going to be doing like a, a workout open practice, um, like a three point contest. I know Roman Martinez is coming. Um, he's going to be on the opposing team as a, as a scrimmage. So it's, I think it's bringing up all these cool memories of all these former Lobos. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that coming back. Reliving the glory days for, for sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. So let's hop into it. Um, the NBA Conference Finals is well underway. And let's break down the Western Conference Finals. So I can't, 
I, I need to stop saying this. <laughs> um, it's not a shocker anymore. It, uh, the Suns are up three games to one in a low scoring affair. Affair, excuse me. Um, the Suns winning um, 84-80. Um, Chris Paul in his second game back. Overall, it, in this series, I guess we'll address. I, I want to. I don't know. It's a thing where. I'm trying to stop myself from just saying like this underdog Suns team. I mean, they're yeah. deserving of the top seed in the, in the playoffs. I think they're the second seed. Um, they're just, they're clearly deserving. And I think they'd be the first team, I think since like the nineties or maybe like the late eighties to eliminate both LA teams from the playoffs. I mean, it's just a huge accomplishment. Um, overall with the Phoenix Suns, and I guess I'm more looking at long-term and not necessarily in terms of if the Suns can win the NBA title, but, as a, as the Suns as a perennial power with Deontay Aiden, with Devin Booker, with the makeup of this team, with Chris Paul being a mentor, are have the Suns arrived as a new Western Conference power that we're going to keep seeing for years to come with Monte Williams? That's based on the bubble run and based on what they're able to do to the Clippers at this point. Yeah, I think the answer has to be yes. I mean, the the Clippers. You, you could argue this is another choke job by the Clippers here, really. They didn't, they, they had a great opportunity both in game one and game two to steal one on the Suns' home court, and that just didn't pan out. Of course, we know Kawhi Leonard has been out this entire series. He was ruled out for game four, well before game four even began, has not played in this series, and that alone has, has been a major difference. But I think, you know, to, to answer your question, like for the future moving forward, some of that depends on what happens this offseason. You'd have to imagine the Suns are going to extend Aiton. He's due, I believe, for, for a contract extension, um, either this offseason or next. Uh, forgive me, I can't remember which, but that's going to be a significant amount of money to extend him. And then they also have to make the decision about what they're going to do with Chris Paul. You would imagine with the success they're having this year, they're going to try to keep him around because this franchise hasn't tasted this kind of success since the Charles Barkley days sure. in Phoenix. So you would have to imagine, or uh, I'm sorry, that's not fair. They haven't tasted this huh. level of success since the Steve Nash. Suns. Steve Nash but it looks uh, like this team is yeah. actually moving on to the finals. Yeah. So then in that case, that would be the Charles Barkley sons. So if the ownership is willing to foot the bill and both extend Aiden and keep Chris Paul around and big, if, if Chris Paul can stay healthy, there's no reason this Suns team can't lead the West again next year. And I'm not 100% convinced that they need Chris Paul to be one of the top teams in the West this next year. You see guys like Campaign stepping up. He had he had a huge uh, game three, or I'm sorry, game two for this team. Uh, Chris Paul returned game three in this series. So Campaign kept the ship afloat for games one and two. And I don't know that he could do that for this team for an entire season, but maybe through free agency, through him working with another guard, potentially they could have similar production. You, you, you won't get that elite level that Chris Paul gives you, but perhaps for the course of the season, it could keep them a top four seed. So those are kind of the options that, that I'm sort of weighing when looking at what this team can do, not only this year, but moving forward. 
into next year. You'd have to think for this year, though, and I don't know if you'll agree with me here, Justin, but I think they are the prohibitive title favorites right now. They look strongest, deepest, most well-balanced team can kind of score and be a problem on both sides of the ball. Yeah, um, I feel you there. It's a new era in the NBA where, you know, we're in a new kind of entering a new period. It's refreshing um, just because typically what we've seen in the NBA is kind of based on like the dominant star, right? At least in the past, what, 30 years of the league. So from Jordan to um, really, yeah, you know, I would say Magic, Bird and Magic to um, Jordan to LeBron to Kobe. And really now we have a, a wide range of stars, that you know anybody can win the title, and I think that's awesome to see. Um, before getting to the Clippers, because there is some serious stuff to discuss with them. Uh, one other thing, and I want to discuss um, DeAndre Aiden because yeah. we just seen him just really rise at this point. Can you kind of talk about what you've seen with his progression? Because I think he's, he's taken a lot of crap uh, from the beginning of his career, but we've seen him just become a kind of relentless competitor. Um, and it's just really good to see um, him having um, 19 points and 22 rebounds. Um, it really, you know, imposes his will on the floor. I think that's awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, with being in the Luka Doncic draft, the, he's he's part of that trifecta of yeah. Luca, Trey Young, uh, and these guys that um, that were picked before Luka Doncic. So he's part of that controversy. Uh, the Kings with Bagley look like the biggest mistake that sure. that we have in that draft. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it was just DeAndre Ayton who was picked before Luca. It looks like now. Given that you'd have to imagine um, uh, Devin Booker is going to be hanging around after a season with this much um, this much success, you'd have to think that. Well, I mean, DeAndre Ayton was the perfect fit and the perfect draft pick. He's he's starting to live up to that now. I don't know that I'll ever agree that he was the better draft pick compared to Luca. Cause I think Me this either. team could be yeah. amazing fielding both Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. I mean, there's, there's no reason, you know, they couldn't have had Luca at the point guard and Devin Booker at shooting guard and then run their three and D wings with those two guys and be successful. But I think Aiden has carved himself a role on this team, a very significant role. And he's been, given the time that Chris Paul has has missed, he's been right in there for the argument of second best player of this team as he's kind of held these guys together while Chris Paul has missed time. Now, I think he's he's third if you're looking at that practically and, and just on paper, but he's really found his fit. And he's a guy that was, you know, heavily criticized by, Chris Paul, we know Chris Paul likes to dig into his teammates. Yeah, he, he, he made a habit of that on the Clippers. Uh, we know he and James Harden clashed on the Rockets. Um, so I, I think he Aiton has earned his team's respect, and, and rightfully so. Um, what are your thoughts on Aiton and, and his development this playoffs? Yeah, I agree. I think it's nice to see young players rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's awesome. And to see them being, you know, 
see them being comfortable um, in the moment, I think it's great to see and really see their maturity um, rise. So I think it's it's awesome. Him and Devin Booker, for that matter, like saw Booker, you know, ditch the mask, like, and these these are high pressure situations. You know, against this, you know, the Clippers are not just some fluke team. I mean, they are perennial um, favorite there. Um, you have Paul George. Um, this is not a situation in which, you know, they're facing some other Cinderella team that's not expected to be there. So there's a lot of pressure for the Suns to face. So this is a, you know, if they were, if they are to win um, game six, um, that is, I believe, yeah. Um, yeah. I believe you think they're up three games to one. I want to make sure. Is it game five? I'm sorry. Okay. That's correct. So, Three games to one. Game five is next. Okay, uh, that's right. Back I to Phoenix. Okay, so if they win game five, I mean, this is a, I think, a pretty legitimate victory on the Phoenix Suns part. Um, I want to jump to. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. Just before we yeah. get off, Aiden, Aiden had the most critical play in this series in that game two. I'm sure, sure. you remember right. the buzzer beater dunk. Yeah, <laughs> with I believe it was like seven tenths of a second left on yeah, the clock. I might right. be wrong about that, but it was no. less than a second. Jay Crowder lobs it in from the corner. Somehow they let Aiden around the bucket. I, I don't care if you have to foul. You keep him away from the bucket. Yeah, true. Uh, Jay Crowder lobs it up. Incredible buzzer beater play. A dunk off of the inbounds. You, you hardly ever see that. Um, and that gave the Suns the commanding series lead up two games to none with Chris Paul coming back for game three. The Suns then did lose game three. Paul George had a great performance. Yes, I'll give credit where credit's due there for mm-hmm. Paul George. And and let's be honest, Kawhi and his unfortunate knee injury has been the letdown for the Clippers this series. I, I think without Kawhi, I, I would have never picked them against the Suns. I picked them I, I picked the Suns to win this series assuming Kawhi would be back maybe by game three and that hasn't happened yet so I think that's a huge story but Aiden like, like we both agree has really proven his worth through this series I mean defensively against the Lakers in the first round and actually I would echo that in the second round against the Nuggets you know just being able to keep Jokic somewhat in check and of course we know they swept them I mean Aiden again has has really proven his worth here. I'm sorry. Let's let's move on to where you were going. No, no you're you're correct. Um and to the Kawhi point and I, I wanted to bring this up um because there's just been um some breaking news regarding Kawhi Leonard being unhappy with the Clippers medical staff. <laughs> oh, no. Um and this is this is according now keep in mind the person that is reporting this. This is Skip Bayless um on FS1. <laughs> So, quote, I've been told by a very good source that the first issue became Kawhi. The first issue, I don't know what this is phrased very correctly. The first issue became Kawhi was unhappy with the Clippers medical staff because he felt that they early on misdiagnosed and underplayed the extent of the knee injury. I was also told as you as told by you from day one, when this happened, he's gone. He's going to need some type of surgery. I'm not sure exactly what type of extent it is, but he's going to need surgery. So he's out for the rest of the playoffs. So um, if this is any type of true, I mean, this is definitely alarming. And I will say, I mean, if you just dismiss the feelings on Skip Bayless, it seemed a little weird. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I know, um, I believe, what I know what the one of the games in 
L.A. Kawhi was in his private box with his family. That just seemed weird. Like, did, did that just not strike you as strange? Like, you're not down there with your teammates, like, supporting them. You're just in a private box by yourself. I don't know. You know how we do in sports. You make big, thick deals out of nothing. <laughs> but it has seemed kind of weird that he's just up in, like, this nice box and the rest of his teammates are down. That just seems super strange. So Even Kyrie, who we slam a lot, yeah. was on the floor yeah. in that elimination game That's when true. his team lost for the Nets. Yeah. And, and he's taken all that personal time this year and done right. questionable things, certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're right. It's true. You're exactly right. So it just smells fishy. Um, from the Clippers standpoint, um, in this most recent game, uh, Paul George had 23 points, 60 rebounds, six assists before fouling out with one second left. Reggie Jackson has been like a huge player in this series. Really, just kept yeah. the Clippers. You know. Never thought I'd be saying that. <laughs> yeah, he had 20 points, and Zubox had 13 points, 14 rebounds. So, um, I, it's it's tough because I do think this series would be different with Kawhi Leonard out on the floor. It's just, it is what it is. Um, so I think for the Clippers, their standpoint is just trying to keep this team afloat in terms of keeping Kawhi happy. Is that, is that right, Matt? I mean, if the Phoenix Suns, we could just play this out. It looks like they're just going to beat the, the Clippers here, either game oh, yeah. five or game six. They're going to get it done one way or another. Yeah. Um, for the, for the Clippers standpoint, are you like, okay, let's just shelve this and just move on and just try another option? Or are you, are you just willing, if you're a Clippers fan, if you put yourself in a Clippers fan mindset, are you willing just to say, hey, you know, this is just a weird year. Let's just forget this year. Um, move on. We have a regular schedule. We have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, two big heavyweights. And let's see if we can just, you know, make a run, considering that the West is, is not it's not a massive perennial power, right? Um it's a situation which I think is still wide open and I, you know, it's best not to overreact or do you think it's time to overreact and just kind of, you know, give up on this experiment. So I guess I'm of two minds here. If I'm a Clippers fan and knowing the success or lack thereof of this franchise, yes, they've been at an elite level since they drafted Blake Griffin. Like they've, they've always been in the conversation, at least they've been a relevant team, even though they haven't always been super close to getting to the title at that time. I I think if I'm a Clippers fan, I want to do anything possible to keep Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together, because I know that that's two elite level wings that always gives me a chance to compete in, in some fashion or another, like we're talking six seed or above in the West. So I think if I'm a Clippers fan and given the heartache of that franchise, that's what I'd probably be rooting for. Now, I am not a Clippers fan, Justin. So yeah. for myself, I think Kawhi had this godlike run with the Raptors. Kawhi hit amazing heights, winning a finals MVP against the Miami Heat with the San Antonio Spurs. But look, you you look at how he burned bridges in San Antonio. And some of that may very well have been on the Spurs as, as he complained about their medical staff as well. But it's starting to look like a situation where 
based on lack of leadership these past two seasons in the Clippers. I, I do think, as you kind of alluded to earlier, there are some issues here with having Kawhi Leonard be your star player as well. You had a lot of structure. You had a great GM and president of basketball operations when he was in Toronto for that that kind of incredible finals run that the Raptors had in 2019. Uh, so you had a lot of things in in place there to help him out. He doesn't have, I think, the same support system in um, in Los Angeles. I, I do think Ty Lue is a great head coach. I, I honestly, in today's NBA, I think Ty Lue is a better head coach than Doc Rivers. Some people might argue with me on that, but I think for like playoff adjustments, schematics, things oh, like that. Proven. I agree. I, yeah, I, I do think uh, Ty Lue is, even though he was an assistant to Doc Rivers sure. uh, before Rivers was chased out of town. Uh, so I don't know. I've For myself, you take that into account. You take all the load management issues with the knee. And, I mean, you want to get something for Kawhi, no doubt. You don't want him to just outright leave. But I've, I might start hearing some like sign and trade offers, things like that for Kawhi, if, if that is a, at all an option, which, mm-hmm. which it may not be, you know. Yeah. Cause he, he pretty much holds the cards. He does. It's just, you know, Kawhi Leonard was being entered in that, you know, best player in the league yeah. discussion. I and, think he's out of it now. Yeah. I, I do too. I mean, you just see what Kevin Durant has done and, and, you know, what's still LeBron being active. I don't think he should be in that running um until he has another significant playoff run for sure um but it's exciting it's cool to see you know the suns be you know this dominant and not a fluke i mean that was my worry right like something is gonna be flukish and they're just gonna get bounced and i think to see them actually prove that they're an elite team i think it's awesome to see and it could be no one happier than our buddy josh so (laughs) um i'm (laughs) sure he's just he was having a ball when you know you were talking about deandre DeAndre aiden you know, hitting that lob in. Um, anything else you want to mention about this series, Matt, before we uh, move on to our next topic? No, let's let's move on. We've got three coaching changes that I wanted to talk about today. Sure. We'll talk about the, I guess it's semi-controversial, but we'll talk about the least controversial coaching sure. change first. Let me pull this up here. Yeah. Rick Carlisle, I, I'm a little surprised this happened, but Rick Carlisle has agreed um the Pacers announced Rick Carlisle's return as coach sure. as you can read there yeah he's back in Indiana where he coached from 2003 to 2007 coached there before he went on to coach the Pistons and then after that the Mavericks so Rick Carlisle is no stranger to Indiana Rick Carlisle is I, I think you would agree with me an extremely intelligent basketball mind ha- has been an incredible head coach obviously brought the Mavericks, their one and only title in 2011 against the Heat. And I, I'm a little shocked that he, he must see something in the Pacers that I don't see, I guess, is the the main thing <laughs> about this that uh, that surprises me because that that is a roster that was unhealthy. And that that may have been the primary cause of a lot of issues that they had. But how do you like this from from both ends? Do you like this for the Pacers, and do you like this for Rick Carlisle? I'm kind of in a eh kind of feel about it. Um, 
I was listening to Bill Simmons and Jackie McMullen was on there. And I kind of got that feeling when she was talking about Rick Carlisle in terms of he could be a little bit prickly. Oh, yeah. Um, but yet he <laughs> was at the Ron, same, though, for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, he has good intentions and he's from what Jackie McMullen described. And again, she's in her own hot water with Kevin Durant. So, um, but just <laughs> what she said, um, you know, he isn't, you know, he tries to, you know, have a method to his maybe, um, I guess what you would say, uh, unfriendly demeanor sometimes. So, I don't know, man. It's just I'm looking at this roster now of the Pacers. I'm like, they got Sabonis. I mean, they got Doug Doug McDermott, who's like it's a sentimental favorite because he played for the Bulls. So, I mean, I'm like, eh. they have T.J. Warren. I'm like, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner. Yeah, a lot, a lot of guys that are like pieces you would like on your team, but no guys together. that are like the star to get you over the hump. Right. I mean, we mentioned, I mean, <clears throat> we, we, I think it was Pat Boylan, right? And he was talking about, you know, Miles Turner coming back. <clears throat> and then he just, him discussing it. I'm like, I don't know what this team, man. Like, we've seen it, it's a mindset. We were looking at the Eastern Conference now. You know, the East is getting a lot better. And so just having like a mediocre team and you just making it to the top four of the, of the standings is not going to work anymore. And I feel like you're right. They have a lot of pieces, which I think they're going to be a lot of tradable pieces. <laughs> I just think they're going to end up, there's a lot of tradable commodities. I just don't think, like you said, Matt, as a unit, um, they're lighting the world on fire. Rick Carlisle, I mean, you look at that team, he wasn't able to make Luca and um, Porzingis work together. I mean, I mean, those I would say they're way more talented than any of the players on the Indiana Pacers in terms of p- potential and talent. So I don't know what he can do in Indiana. I yeah, I'd, I'd I agree. Just, I think a lot of the other pieces around those two guys, though, were uh, less than what the Pacers have. Less, sure. less elite level players. I mean, That's you're, you're spot on with Porzingis and Luca. And there were, I, I think that's also important to mention is there were huge chemistry issues in Dallas yeah. for like the past two years and Rick Car- Carlisle being the coach and some of the blame fair or not falls on you as the coach. Yes. Um, we do have to see the Pacers and, and how they look under a full season with Karis Levert in there as well. I, I think it's, it's not a game changer that like brings the Pacers to a top contender in the East. I I think for this fan base though, if, if they are like a top six seed, let's say, I think the team is going to be happy with Carlisle in his first year. I think Mm -hmm. if they are in that range, I think that'll be seen as a success. And then it's a matter of, can you draw a free agent, which Indiana, sorry, almost never does. Can you make a deal with some of those pieces to get a get a player in that makes a lot of sense i mean we talk about you know like a Kawhi leonard uh potentially disgruntled star can you throw together you know malcolm brogdon and someone else to bring in a more elite level player that's where they are right now what can they do in the draft as well obviously that factors into it too but we know they're not uh, one of the top drafting teams um so I don't know. I I've, I like the hire of Rick Carlisle. I'm pretty pro Rick Carlisle in general, but yeah. I, I just don't know if I see this Pacers team 
going all that much further than like top six seed in the East after next season. You know, it's going to depend yeah. a lot on that roster. Did you have any other thoughts about Rick Carlisle? I don't. Um, and we can get to some breaking news. And it, it right. broke just two seconds ago. And that's what Chauncey Billups. Um, and this, I was confused because I was like, I don't, I don't know, because I was doing some research on the show and Chauncey Billups, um, you know, becoming the coach of the Trailblazers. I thought it was a done deal, but it wasn't. But now it's a done deal. Um, this is from Woj. Um, Clippers assistant um, Chauncey Billups has reached a five year deal um, to become the new coach of the Portland Trailblazers sources tell ESPN. Um, so that was just breaking right now. So Matt, go ahead, Matt, if you can go ahead and just take it away. Um, cool. We'll, we'll get to Chauncey. I, I kind of want to tie Rick Carlisle actually ties directly into the Jason Kidd hiring. Okay. Uh, sure. So as Rick Carlisle was exiting, which I mean, he resigned almost immediately after the Mavs let go of Donnie Nelson mm-hmm. as GM who had been with the organization. We talked about this over 20 years. Rick Carlisle said his suggestion for the next basketball coach of the Dallas Mavericks was Jason Kidd. Just that he thought he would vibe very well with Luca. And you can see it here. (laughs) The Mavs hired Jason Kidd and named Nico Harrison as general manager. There you go. (laughs) So Nico Harrison was an executive at Nike. He, he was in charge of scouting talent for shoe deals and, and things along the like. So to me, this, this feels a little bit like the Lakers hiring of Rob Palenka, who was yeah. a player agent for a long time. This is kind of, you know, we know Mark Cuban. He's a pretty, pretty eccentric guy, eccentric guy. And, uh, you know, he, he's willing to take risks. And I think maybe he sees what they did what the Lakers did that is, which by the way, kid was an assistant for the Lakers the last two years under Frank Vogel. And Mark Cuban is willing to take a chance here. We'll see if it pays off like it did for the Lakers. I kind of like the outside the box thinking. We know that uh, Jason kid overall, he coached, uh, I believe just one season. Yeah. One season with the nets barely had a winning record. And then there was this, this weirdness that I think he felt he was going to be let go or things were just changing in Brooklyn. And so the bucks traded, he had some connections with Milwaukee, the bucks traded two second round picks and he goes to the bucks for four seasons. He's kind of been credited Jason Kidd, that is as having developed Giannis as more of a ball handler you could say nowadays, I mean, Bill Simmons had a take that Giannis needs to be playing at center. That's his ultimate sure. destiny. So you could argue for that. You could argue that Kid maybe hindered Giannis's development. You could also sure. maybe argue that Kid was very responsible for the rise of Giannis as an individual star in the league, as, as kind of that MVP character, because he in putting Giannis in that position got Giannis's assists up and things like that established him as, as more of a ball handler. So overall though, a losing record in Milwaukee overall, a losing record as a head coach, just barely. A lot of people are not happy about this hiring with Jason Kidd. Part of that is his, his past um, and some legal trouble he got into, of course, that, uh, you know, that honestly was, was terrible. Um, and a lot of people also 
aside from that are saying that this is just a bad basketball move because this guy hasn't proven, you know, he, he had, uh, I believe, uh, two of the seasons in Milwaukee, he was a first round exit in the playoffs. Now, some of that was being matched up, I think against teams that were much better than the bucks at that time. Fair enough. But um, what are your feelings on Jason Kidd? Just point blank as, as honestly, the Mavericks coach heading into Honestly, this? hate this hire. Mm. I just, I don't understand it. I think he's, I, I think he's a weak coach just from a record standpoint. I get why they did it. He's kind of in the family, right? He played in Dallas. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has a huge connection to that community, to that team. You know, on paper, it makes sense. You know, what you mentioned with Giannis, you know, he can maybe work some magic. It would really, Luca, I don't think he needs it, but you know what I mean? Just being that mentor for Luca. So I get it why they did it, but I think this is a terrible hire. Um, I would have gone from a from a pure basketball standpoint, um, either with somebody like a Chauncey Billups. I know it, it's insane to me how Mark Jackson has not gotten a coaching job in the NBA. I I, I don't understand. Like he's right there. Like and it's not said he doesn't want to coach. So it's baffling to me. I would just I mean, if Mark Jackson was like truly available to make it worth his while, I just don't know why they wouldn't put a feeler out to him. Even if he was like, hey, I hate coaching. I, I don't know. It's, it's just a situation which you've seen what Jason Jason Kidd's record is, and you see where this team is with the Dallas Mavericks. If Again, talking purely basketball. The Mavericks were just, you know, a really underachieving team in terms of, you know, they were not even in the contention for the play-in game, play-in tournament, not even a playoff contending team. I can see Jason Kidd as kind of like, hey, he's has some playoff experience, you know, for the next level. That's a it's a good hire. But you know, Luca is a generational player. I think we agree on that, right? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know why we're playing games here with hiring Jason Kidd. I just think this is a waste of time. So I hate this hire. And then you add in the fact of his past, which we'll talk about it with Chauncey Billups. Um, I think they go kind of hand in hand. It, it rubs me in the wrong way that it has not been addressed. Well, and this is an organization that just had front yeah. office issues yeah. along the same lines. Yeah. I mean, some some yeah. harassment allegations, yeah. things like that. You're so right. from a PR perspective, I, I understand some of the backlash. <laughs> yeah. From a PR standpoint, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, it, And from a basketball standpoint, same thing. So, yeah, I if I'm a Mavericks fan, I'm despising this, but... We'll see. Maybe I'm proven wrong from a basketball standpoint, but and I think we we should talk about this because since you brought it up, Matt, just about <clears throat> um, the allegations with Jason Kidd um, and Chauncey Billups. It's a great article by Emily Adams of USA Today. Check it out. Has some comments by um, Haley um, O'Shaughnessy. Um, she is the co-host of the Spinsters, along with Jordan Liggins, who we had on earlier this year. Um, has some interesting comments in terms of kind of the of coaches with sexual assault and domestic abuse allegations against him. Um, I feel like in a, basically these, both these guys are presented as leaders in their communities, right? Like you're a coach there. You're going to be doing different stuff out there in the community. You're not just a basketball coach. I feel like with these allegations, they, they need to be addressed and not swept under the rug one way or another. Um, they're out there for, you know, public consumption and I think they, they need to be, you know, discussed in terms of 
you know, why these allegations are out there. And it just makes me uncomfortable that they're being swept under the rug. And also with Chauncey Billups, and again, base, I apologize for my ignorance with the with Chauncey Billups, just because I only heard about this fairly recently with him. Um, just be, and it's happened in 1997, um, and he settled a civil case regarding the an incident. But to me, it just goes into kind of like with media and everything, like. It seems some guys get passes and some guys don't. Chauncey Billups is very well liked in the NBA community, right? It's he's he's very much respected, very very well liked. And this is a situation in which just hearing about this now really just rubs me the wrong way in terms of this not being addressed earlier. And so right. I have mixed emotions right. about it because I'm like, okay. If, if a legal matter is handled, should he be just banned from not applying for any coaching job ever again? <clears throat> At the same time, you can't have somebody that's, you know, <clears throat> I mean, you can't be a league of, you know, for like the WNBA for women's progression. If you have, you know, two men currently that looks like they could be head coaches or serious allegations. So I'm on both sides. I mean, it, it, it is very weird on both sides of the the aisle here i have a lot more of a problem with a from a media standpoint of a organization like espn which had outside the lines with the serious like investigations into um serious matters and sports and this not being really discussed that just seems highly irregular to me um and in, in, in terms of if the person's guilty or not with chauncey billups and um jason kidd so I don't know. To me, it just mm-hmm. it rubs me very much the wrong way. I I'm not super comfortable with these hires. If you ask ask me to be honest, just based on their past, yeah, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. Um, and it, you know, I think if you take a look at somebody like a Becky Hammond who has tons of coaching experience, you know, under the coaching tree of Craig Greg Popovich, um, it just seems like I don't know. It just seems. A little bit weird why again Chauncey Billups I don't I feel I feel like three kinds of ways of this because you know I don't want to condemn a guy totally for his past and barring him from future employment at the same time it, it's still pretty serious <laughs> and from an organization standpoint I'm like okay if I'm running the Portland Trailblazers too I can't take a chance on somebody who's well proven under a coaching tree of Greg Popovich and somebody who is, um, you know, has this with them, with Chauncey Billups, who has no coaching experience either. So it's tough. I don't know. I'm above, I'm kind of very in a gray area of this, Matt. How about yourself? So, yeah, I guess let me let me present this point because I, I think first and foremost, both you and I agree, domestic abuse, sexual assault, th- things that these guys were accused of. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the situation intimately with Chauncey Billups. I, I know some of the reports from Jason Kidd were awful. It involved his wife in a domestic abuse situation. Seemed like there there was legit evidence and there were consequences that Jason Kidd paid for that. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, obviously, domestic abuse, sexual assault, awful. No, nobody likes that. I think everyone is, is in agreement with that. That's terrible. The, the thing I'd say moving beyond that is 
I, I think this brings up a good question and I don't have an answer for you, but I think it's something that needs to be discussed as a society is what are our options for redemption here? for these guys. Now, I, I don't know these guys personally or anything like that. I, I don't know if Jason Kidd is still a jerk and, and has never changed at all. You know, since those days, I believe his incident was 18 years ago in 2003. Um, I may be off by plus or minus one or two years there, but almost 20 years ago with Chauncey Billups, you mentioned 97, that's over 20 years ago. I mean, we're talking almost a quarter of a century ago. That's not to say that it's it's not a rough thing that's not to say that maybe there are consequences he should have paid at the time that didn't get paid um but what what i have read about chauncey and please feel free to correct me if i'm wrong anyone in the comments etc i'd love to know more but it was a civil suit and not criminal charges placed on him so it doesn't seem like there was a lot of evidence again that doesn't mean he's not guilty of something it doesn't mean that something very serious that should be hindering him didn't happen. But we just had an incident recent, well, we had a horrible thing happen recently where an NBA legend, Kobe Bryant, passed away tragically. And Kobe Bryant, I, it, was, it was a lot of hero worship after he passed away. And Kobe, I think, exemplifies, look, I, I was not a big Kobe fan after the squeaky clean Kobe image was, was removed, after we kind of saw... Uh, behind the curtain, so to speak. There there was a while there where in that kind of mid-2000s decade, I, I had a rough time with Kobe. Uh, and it was because of things off the court that was really a question mark. But he was someone who I did think, and this is just my personal belief, I, I think he did some work for himself. I think he did work to make his marriage better, for one thing. And I, I think he reformed as a better human being. And I think that a lot of the praise that he got from just about everyone across the board, at least in the, the NBA media community, it seemed, I think a lot of that was deserved. I think, as you and I have talked about plenty of times, Kobe was doing stuff for the women's yeah. game, et cetera. Yeah. I, I think he was he was on a path of redemption. I think ha had he not tragically passed away, he would be continuing to do good things for the league for and humanity in general. So... I don't know. I, I guess my question here is, you know, is there an opportunity for redemption with these guys? I don't know that if we if we don't have like, you know, a, a criminal indictment, I, I don't know if this is disqualifying for these guys getting their jobs. The, the other thing, and, and maybe it is, I don't know, maybe if public uproar is enough, the organizations will back off these hires. From what it seems to me, I would assume strong relationship between these guys and thumbs up from their star players that they're going to. So Damian Lillard was pretty clear. I actually retweeted it yesterday about his approval of the Chauncey Billups hire. And, you know, basically said like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the news in that particular story when I was seven or eight years old is kind of what Damian Lillard said. Um, and again, I think, you know, there's another interesting societal question is like, what is his responsibility in that really? Because he has to green light the coach, but he's also not the front office. There is a, a separation there. He's not signing paychecks. That's true. 
So it's, you know, there, there's a lot of, I think, gray areas in here. And then on the, on the Dallas side, you would imagine not only did Rick Carlisle say it was a good fit and maybe Mark Cuban really respects his opinion. I would, I would imagine he does. Nico Harrison liked Jason Kidd. So that's part of how you, you get this hire. And I, I would just assume that Luka Doncic at least said, yeah, this is okay. I like Jason Kidd. I do think Jason Kidd is liked and respected among the NBA community, maybe not as much the media because his coaching record has been exposed and analyzed, maybe overanalyzed by the media. But I, I do think that this also ties into like player empowerment that we talk about on, on this show. You know, if, if you have players in the league that are then ascending to assistant coaching positions, and this is a player empowerment league, you would assume the logical conclusion of that is players are going to be at the top of coaching lists. They're going to have, you know, and as always, I think it should be the coach with the most merit, whether that's Becky Hammond with her assistant work on the Spurs, or, you know, maybe it is just as simple as like your Steve Nash, really no NBA head coaching experience, but he got the green light from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and that seemed to be enough for ownership. And, and there are more merits to Steve Nash being the coach of that team, sure. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more of this favoritism towards former players being hired moving forward. Anyway, I rambled about yeah. it a lot there. I don't know. I guess I, I'd be curious your thoughts on like on the redemption of these guys. I mean, is is there a chance for that, or is this just ultimately like a – like kind of a black mark on these coaches, so to speak, that they can't be hired because of that, that issue in the past. I think there's, <laughs> I think it is. And honestly, this has been my struggle. Cause I, you know, you don't be in combat sports with someone like Mike Tyson. So I think we've seen Mike Tyson's past for myself. I have told everybody this, like I respect Mike Tyson so much for him addressing his past, upfront and personal and being a um, open book, but it's somebody that I can't openly support, but I can still respect the man for his redemptive um, steps he's taken. Um, even though like I would, I can't support him in terms of like merchandise or just being like a hardcore, just Mike Tyson to support it. Cause this, that was pretty heinous stuff in his past. I just, it's just, I just can't endorse that. And I think, with Mike Tyson, at least I can respect him because he addressed it. And he explained, he atoned for it, he addressed it. Even though for me and myself, it's just something where I can have any like association with him. Um, and it doesn't mean like Mike Tyson can't go out and make a living for himself. I think he can. And sure. I think that goes for Chauncey Billups and that goes for Jason Kidd. My issue is is several. One, from a, from a media standpoint... And Van Lathan brought this up, who used to work at TMZ, does podcasts with um, the Ringer, uh, mm -hmm. media personality. Like he said on Twitter, he never heard about Chauncey, this thing with Chauncey Billups in his life until now. Same thing with me. I, I mean, that is baffling to me. And it, it raised some massive red flags for an organization like ESPN, in which Chauncey Billups worked there for a long time. So for me, I'm like, how, how, how does this not like vet it out? I mean, it's just it just seems very suspicious. Like this was not brought to anyone's attention. We did not know about this. Um, the Jason Kidd thing seems to be a little bit more out there, but I don't know. It just for these talk shows on ESPN to make every big deal out of everything. And yet not discuss this. 
seems highly, highly suspicious to me. And I think as a top organization like ESPN, it's their job to um, kind of expose these stories for the public to make the right decision. And I think they let a lot of their sports fans down and, and not doing that. So kind of shame on them in my humble opinion. Um, two, in terms of Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd, I think it'd be nice for them to release somewhat address this as best they can. I think it's, it's just going to be a black mark on them if they don't. I think if they were to at least discuss this, then you can kind of put the cards on the table in terms of, okay, you can let the, the public decide, okay, what is really happening in terms of their past and moving on from there. But it just seems I can't really give them any credit if they have something to hide. It makes them just seem automatically guilty. Uh, so I think they should, bare minimum, address it. Um, and I think it's probably going to be, you know, it's not a good look for the league to be honest, but I think you're right, Matt. I think if it doesn't get super media attention, I think this is a non story in like, you know, six months and it'll be more of a thing if, you know, the Mavericks suck, you know, and especially for Jason Kidd, I think Chauncey Phillips would be given a little bit more of a pass in terms of development for, for Jason Kidd. He's going to be on a short leash, especially with Luca. Like if they suck, I can see him being fired mid season. I, re- I really do. Like if they buy all star break, if they are like really bad, and I and I get what you're saying with the higher the general manager, I just don't see them getting that much of a leash. I just I, I, I just I don't. With this the stakes, I mean, Lucas wants a generational player. I mean, especially where what the way we've seen the Phoenix Suns are in the end of Western Conference Finals, and Lucas not. And it's not like you're dealing with LeBron or the Clippers or, you know, superstar teams with like five guys on there. The, the door's wide open. I just think – I just got, I just got a funny feeling like if, that the Mavericks – I know that this might be pretty stupid to base this off on. This might be extremely hot take. But if the Mavericks are just really poor, I can see just Jason Kidd being axed pretty quickly. But we'll see. It seems like you're right, Matt. As, as, I'm, see, I'm in a minority of that. I see, you know, everything lines up to them just being ride or die for Jason Kidd, but we'll see. So, yeah, I think that'd be rough on, you know, a, a GM with outside experience. Like the first guy you bring in, you had to fire him halfway through your first season as if, GM. If Lucas I, unhappy, I mean, that's just, well, yeah, that's just the thing. Like he, he, I mean, already he's like, you know, we already hear our notes of him being unhappy, right? And again, we're in his player empowerment era, right? And if things are just going south early well and here's here's my take on that things are unhappy we had another report yeah. come out today that's nothing new and I'm, I'm sorry i don't remember the source of this report but basically the headline was just luka Doncic and Kristaps porzingis don't like each other yeah and that that's the headline so my take on this is porzingis is gone this offseason yeah, they're, they're gonna find a way to get yeah. him out of there i, I think that's probably the number one thing on this new GM's agenda, at least after the draft. So I, yeah, I, I don't see Jason Kidd getting fired. I mean, unless it's like really abysmal to start the, I mean, we're, we're talking like, you know, Oh, for 15 starting yeah. the season, like train wreck, which I, I just don't see happening with a, if, if Luca is coming in to the season in shape, you know, he's a little out of shape to start this 
this previous season. That's true. But I, I think I think he'll come back hungrier. At least that would be my hope. And then some of that is on Luca, even though the coach is is always your scapegoat, almost always in the NBA. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens and and how the league and these franchises in particular handle the pressure that's being applied on Twitter right now. Typically what happens though, and I'm, I'm sorry if I sound a little jaded or cynical, what will happen is there will be an uproar again when Chauncey built, like as that news is announced that it's an official five-year contract, you know, the next two days or so, Twitter's going to be pretty loud about that. And then it's going to be, it's going to be water under the bridge. It's, it's going to get, swept under the rug that's typically how the media cycle works yeah. and and i think that's what's going to happen i don't think we'll see especially like jason kidd where his um his incident was so public like i don't know if you remember but bob ryan got in trouble for commenting on jason kidd like way back in the early 2000s that. on that yeah so it was very public so i i think jason kidd is probably of the mind that like yeah, I dealt with this. I I paid the consequence for this. I, I lost my wife over this. It's you know, um, I, I don't think he's gonna rehash that personally unless someone in the organization makes him do that. But sure. I, I think they'll probably wait two days and see how much heat they're feeling on it. Uh, we have a result from yeah. our game three between the Hawks and the Bucks. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I do. Um and <laughs> If I seem a little bit distracted earlier, it's because Trey Young went went down with an ankle injury. Um, oh, no. He was able to bounce back and he returned, um, but it wasn't enough. Um, as the Milwaukee Bucks um, win one thirteen one oh two, um, a big game by uh, Chris Middleton. I'm trying to find how many points he had. Just give me one moment because he really, when I was watching this game before he hopping on here, he was he had he was he was really aggressive. Um, so, I mean, it's just this things where he's off, he's hot and he's cold. He's hot and he's cold. It's just kind of frustrating watching Chris Middleton because I know he has the <laughs> talent. Um, and it looks Thankfully like he had 30. he's got Giannis as a pretty yeah. steady star right next to him. <laughs> it's true. But if he's like super consistent all the time, I mean, that's what makes him dangerous, right? Yeah. And so he had 38 points. Um, he had 11 rebounds. Um, and then let me try to find the assist. He had seven assists. My a really goodness. dominant performance. Giannis played well too. Uh, Thirty-three points, eleven rebounds, four assists. So a huge win uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, going over the stats here, Trey Young. First game uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, first game in Atlanta. So the Bucks have taken back home court advantage yeah. by winning this game. Trey Young had thirty-five points despite the ankle um, problems there, and he's basically stepped on a ref's foot. So it was like oh a flukish goodness. thing. He was basically trying walking out of bounds. The ref's right there. He stepped on the ref's foot, and then his ankle twisted. Um, and you can see Trey Young just—he was pissed, to say the least. He's very upset. Um, so I think overall, I wanted to ask you because I heard this um, with both our one of our both our um, former guests, um, JJ Buck, on the opening drive, and he had um, Isabel on the show. If you um, remember her, um, and they were discussing Trey Young in terms of his um, ceiling, and also heard this. You know, on a lot of you know top um, sports talk radio um, and just you know the the shows you see out there, the ceiling for Trey Young, and not necessarily this season. I mean, it's tough. His first time there facing the Bucks, who are very deep, very stacked. But 
with Trey Young, it, it, it almost seems like, okay, he's the hot flavor of the month. And let's forget Steph Curry, right? You know, you know, <laughs> Steph Curry's not in the playoffs, you know, you know, the Warriors have experienced their trials and tribulations. And now here comes the new hot kid on the block here. <laughs> um, overall with Trey Young, do you think he's being overrated? based on this performance. And what I mean by that, I think he's a star in this league. I like Trey Young a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's kind of getting a little bit overboard. People saying like he has a higher ceiling in the playoffs than Steph Curry. It's just kind of, yeah, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the Max, I mean, I'll be honest, Max Kellerman made that point. And uh. what he was saying with, you know, Steph in the playoffs, but his performance is still pretty solid in the playoffs in the finals, even though, you know, LeBron maybe outplayed him or even Kevin Durant, Steph Curry was still pretty good. So, and it doesn't, so just because he's like third best, doesn't mean Trey Young's better than Steph Curry. So, and not even in, even in the same league as Steph Curry, at least in terms of like his, his accolades and accomplishments. So I think, I guess what I ask you, Matt, like, do you think there might be kind of like this thing with Trey Young in terms of, Either it's going to be, hey, this guy's just unbelievable, or if he has a bad shooting night, he's just going to be getting killed because, you know, on that same um, sports talk show with JJ and Isabel, you know, there's a caller there saying, you know, Trey Young's overrated. You know, what's the big deal of this guy? Like in one year, we're not even talking about this dude. It just seems like you guys have very polarizing opinions um, with Trey Young. What do, you, what do you think? Well, first and foremost, He's great for the league in yes. general because he is so polarizing like that. For sure. Because you can have this opinion that his numbers are better in the playoffs than in the regular season, which is true. And you're correct about that. And you can have an opinion that Trey Young is overrated. They got through, they've got an easy matchup against the Knicks in the first round. That was a very easy four seed in comparison to other four seeds you see etc and you're not necessarily wrong to have that opinion as well one thing i'll say that we as nba fans suffer from and i think it's more prominent now maybe than ever with how quickly we get information is recency bias <laughs> and yeah. so i would caution people like the the other comparisons that i've heard that um that made me really pump the brakes on this Trey Young thing. So I, I do think, first and foremost, like his star has ascended majorly. There's going to be more eyes on Trey Young. I would say more national broadcast games for the Atlanta Hawks next year. I agree. Because of Trey Young's success this year. So yeah. first and foremost, that has to be said. Credit where credit's due. I think he's been amazing in the playoffs. But I've also heard people not only – the Steph Curry comparisons, which their games are very different. So I, I think the undersized thing, yeah, that that's similar, but their games are very, very different. Like Trey Young will never be the shooter that Steph Curry is. I'm, I'm sorry. That's true. I'm going to say that right off the bat. That's true. But the yeah. other one that I heard was Iverson, like Iverson's run with Philadelphia in 2000 to uh, to then be eliminated by the Lakers in, in the finals. I, I still don't have – Trey Young quite at that level yet as as AI. I, I just AI was so influential for the game. I mean, hey, you guys stay tuned for our interview with Pete <laughs> to for a little bit of talk about that, a little teaser there. But I I don't know exactly where his place right now is. And and I kind of want to wait to form an opinion about that. You know, I, I think 
getting to the Eastern Conference Finals right now as this Atlanta Hawks team and as this team is formed, yes, they're deep, but he really is the the clear star of this team. I do think that's super impressive. I mean, especially in a year where we had the Nets who were heavily fav- heavily favored to go to the finals. Now the Bucks took care of them, of course. And then we had the Sixers who were, I feel, the, the secondary favorites to go to the finals from the East. And the Hawks are the team that took out that team. And, and maybe have, I mean, there's still tons of discussion about what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. So yeah, the Hawks are the ones that ultimately may have been the final straw to break the camel's back, so to speak, on the Philadelphia 76ers. So I do think a lot of credit is due. I just don't know where to place Trey Young right now, but it's not Steph Curry and it's not Allen Iverson. I'm sorry, but I got to pump the brakes on that noise. I agree, and I think to compare him to Allen Iverson is premature because of how early Trey Young's career is, but I do like his aggressiveness mm-hmm. and his tenacity. And yeah. if he's if he's consistent, I think the Allen Iverson comparison is warranted. Um, now, I think it goes to the accolades. So, you know, 10 years from now, I think we can compare. Or even five years from now, we can kind of go, okay, stab, you know, staff or stat and see where they're at. But certainly, that swagger, that's very attractive to a lot of players, you know. And mm-hmm. I think the majority of players don't really have that in terms of trash talking. Um, you you kind of see it if they're provoked, but not necessarily like just – automatically going at somebody and i think trey young has that and i think he he's wonderful i i enjoy him tremendously he's entertaining so um i'm always down for that and i and i hope he um i hope this run is not any kind of like you know some miracle run or a fluke and i don't think it is i think kind of resembles like you know devin booker in the in the bubble like everybody was saying okay and then devin booker was also is a great player before the bubble but you know what i mean he kind of blew up there right people kind of knew okay now we know devin booker so some of it so, may be out of Trey Young's hands, though. I mean, yeah, like if, if the Nets are healthy next year, sure, et cetera, sure. so, some of that may be out of his hands, but uh, I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's true. Um, one more thing I want to mention and I think I, then I, I'm, I'm done. Um, just as <laughs> <laughs> we'd be going at it for an hour, just my drops. <laughs> um, just like, just cause my voice is about to like totally tire out. This is the bucks. <laughs> um, I, this is a huge win for them. Mm-hmm. This if they happen to win the title, this could be a coming of age for this team because we really haven't, we've seen them crumble under pressure. And even, you know, watching the game tonight, the CND Atlanta crowd just chant to count the 10 for Giannis trying to distract them at the free throw line. It's, it's a situation in which, you know, Giannis still hit the free throws, even though they did that, you know, seeing this team overcome adversity, that's what you want to see from a, you know, a title team. And I think, for the Bucks, even though I think if they happen to win the title, you know, I think it's they're going to get really hated on just because, you know, they're going to say about the Nets. And then, of course, you know, they'll make any of the lot of the media will make excuses for like the Lakers or the Clippers or whatever. Um, this would be a coming of age for this Milwaukee Bucks team. So um, I'm, I'm impressed. This is an impressive victory because they were, this is a very tight game. Things weren't going right and they had to overcome a lot of things with that crowd. So it's impressive. So I'm absolutely I'm impressed with the Bucks with this victory. And it felt to me like game two. I, I mean, you can't always in modern day NBA with the three pointer being what it is. You you can't always 
count on blowouts as sending a message in a particular series like a team teams are talented enough especially from beyond the arc that they can come back right away and blow you out the next game if your shot's just a little bit off from the three-point line but it did kind of feel like also that game two was maybe a realization from the bucks that hey we are bigger and more physical than you guys like we have Giannis who can steamroll anyone you throw in front of him. I'm sorry, Atlanta, but that is the reality. Like if Giannis has a full head of steam going towards the hoop, mm-hmm. Atlanta doesn't really have someone who can stop him consistently sure. at least. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that was a little bit of a flex from the Hawks there. And to keep applying that pressure in game two, I, th- I think that kind of sent a message. They had me a little bit worried, you know, this game being tied at halftime, this game three, but still, just to just kind of put a bow on this, I am still liking my pick of the Bucks in six. I believe you agreed with me on that, yeah. pick, Justin. Uh, how are you feeling about that? And then we can we can wrap whenever you're ready. Yeah, feel pretty good. Just you're right from a matchup standpoint. I mean, no one's going to be able to stop Giannis, and with Chris Middleton, it's the same thing with him. Like this room, I have to say physical matchup. I mean, they just don't have the players to have to stack up to um, the bucks and mm-hmm. I like their mental toughness. And I think they can, you know, wrap this up in six games um, barring just some mental breakdowns. I think that's going to be their Achilles heel. If they just let Trey young and the crowd get to them. So we'll see. For sure. For sure, man. You want to send us out? Yeah, totally. Um, thanks everybody for checking out our content. Always enjoy the continual support. Um, if you want us to, if you want to leave some feedback or some suggestions or questions, email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We're available on iTunes and all your favorite podcasting platforms. And we're available on social media through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Check out our past interviews. Uh, we had Matt Sullivan. Uh, we had a bunch of the guests through um, the Off the Glass Podcast Network with Kyle Russell and Just- Dr. Justin Quinn. Excuse me. Um, so please go check that out. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. You've been watching Hoopsology. We're a member of the Off the Glass Podcast Network. And we'll see you next time. See you later. Peace.